You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Back for another week here on Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, you're listening to the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 in Lake Charles. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Big weekend in the world of sports. No Saints, which is probably why we're pretty upbeat here on a Monday afternoon. Uh, The Pelicans rocking and rolling. Winners of their last seven, including two big wins over the Phoenix Suns at home this weekend. Uh, Zion put a exclamation mark on the win Friday night at the end of the game that the Suns weren't too happy about. However, we'll we'll dive into a little bit later why I find them hypocrites for that. Um, we'll also talk the World Cup throughout the show today. God, that missed penalty kick is going to haunt Harry Kane for the rest of his life. Um, and then we will also talk high school football, college basketball, and is Sean Payton returning to the Saints? Hmm. We'll see. Producer, co-host, the one and only, Mr. James Mesh. James, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Doing all right. How about you? I'm good. Well, I'm there good. you go. When am I not good? I'm, all, I'm, I'm, I'm always good. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm good at what I do. Mm-hmm. I'm good at how I look. Mm-hmm. I'm just good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. For sure. All right. Now that now that that's established, <laughs> let's. Uh, <laughs> okay. Let's look at a couple of top stories. How about uh, Texas men's basketball coach Chris Beard arrested this morning on an assault charge? However, interesting timing in when he was released. So he was arrested about 4.18 this morning. Uh, According to multiple reports, he was booked by the Austin Police Department for allegedly strangling a person at a home. It was first believed that it was a member of his family, but now you know they're they're starting to to back away from that story. It it, it appears uh, he is charged with assault by strangulation slash suffocation, family violence, which is a third degree felony, and carries a sentence of up to ten years in prison if convicted. However, the reason that I find it interesting as to the timing of his release is Texas has a basketball game tonight, and it's at home. Now, I know Texas has been known to to do some outlandish things. James, there's no way that a man arrested on a third-degree felony charge coaches tonight, right? There's no way. I feel like I've seen some pretty crazy things. But there's I, no I don't, way. But I don't know. I really don't think they'll there's allow that. There's no way. No shot. Uh, I'll tell you this. If he does, I, I have officially seen it all if, if Chris Beard is on, is on the sideline tonight. Because that is just that is uh, that's something uh, to to say the least. 
A uh, big trade going down in the world of baseball today. How about the Atlanta Braves landing Sean Murphy from the Oakland Athletics in a three-team deal? The uh, the Brewers getting William Contreras from the Braves, and then the A's getting loads of prospects and, and different players. Uh, also, some some sad news to report is that Mike Leach is listed in critical condition after suffering a personal health issue yesterday. Uh, there have been multiple reports about what it could be, anything from a heart attack to a severe stroke to a massive heart attack, which caused seizures. There there have been multiple reports uh, about what it, what it was. Uh, however, regardless of how you look at it, the uh, the prognosis, according to multiple reports, is, is not good. Uh, so we will keep you updated as more information in that becomes available. Your poll question of the day is how will the Saints finish over these final four games of the season? Will they go three and one? Will they go two and two? Will they go one and three? Or will they lay a big fat goose egg and go zero and four? Um, I would, I'm, I would give a fifth option, but there's no way they go four and zero. I'm thinking one and three. One, I'm thinking one, and three. one and three seems like it. Maybe two and I, two if they somehow you, beat the Falcons and the Panthers. I think you get the Falcons or the Panthers. But I think it's also interesting because Eagles are on a roll. So I feel like if they sit a majority could, of their starters, could they, could they be sitting by that point? That's what I'm saying. Could they yeah. be sitting most of their stars and then it's like, well, maybe the, the Saints just get a win there somehow. Would be, would be kind of weird to see a team sit their sit their starters in the second to last game. We've seen it before though. It's not something that happens very often, but the fact that the Eagles are only have one loss on the season so far. Yeah, that's true. If you keep it going and you're fifteen and one, it's like even if you go fifteen and three. Yep. Are you no, real? Are you gonna lose your last? You're gonna, are you gonna lose the number one seed? Right. Three three seven seven zero six zero one 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 is the number to call on the game hotline. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast at Stadium thirty two point three and Channel one thirty three on LUS Fiber. So, you know, a- another headline is from coming from the World Cup when the U.S. was still in it. I remember we we talked about the fact that Giovanni Reina. The good old days. Wasn't playing. Right, right. The, the good <laughs> like times, huh? Two, two weeks ago. Yeah, good times. Uh, we, we were complaining as to why Giovanni Reyna wasn't playing. However, according to some reports that were leaked, uh, manager Greg Bull- Berhalter said that Reyna showed a lack of effort at training and in a pre-World Cup friendly due to him being told that he wasn't part of the game plan in the World Cup. Even going as far to being asked to apologize to his team for his behavior. Mm. That plot thickened as you read it. It did. <laughs> it like it added three different levels as you were reading that whole report. But I have a question. Why is a 20 a 20-year-old uh-huh. Phenom like Giovanni Reyna. Not in your game plan. If I was him and my entire life I was told, kid, you're gonna be a superstar. You're gonna have you're gonna have it all. 
all you got to do is do like this much work. Wouldn't you be mad too? Your first opportunity to play in a World Cup and you get told you're not part of the game plan. Now, I'm not saying he was right for, you know, acting out and, and giving poor effort in practice, but like the kid's 20, like you can't expect him to to be the most mature. Right. Wouldn't, wouldn't you be a little pissed off too? Would you like him to be? Should he be, especially whenever you're representing the United States, your country? Yeah, but at the end of the day, kid's still 20, so I'm not totally shocked that this is something that's been happening. He said, just before the World Cup, Coach Burhalter told me my role at the tournament would be limited. I am someone who plays with pride and passion. Soccer is my life, and I believe in my abilities. I fully expected and desperately wanted to contribute to make a statement at the World Cup. I am also a very emotional person, and I fully acknowledge that I let my emotions get the best of me and affect my training and behavior for a few days after learning about my limited role. I applied to, I apologized to my teammates and coach for this, and I was told I was forgiven. So, interesting development there that could explain why Gio Reyna saw a lot less on the, of the field than any of us were, were expecting. Um, also, the Dallas Cowboys... Signing T.Y. Hilton. Interesting. I'm just going to leave it at that. That's just an interesting move. Um, apparently, he passed his workout with flying colors. But, James, correct me if I'm wrong. Last time I saw T.Y. Hilton in the league, he was okay. He only played in 10 games last year. Had 330 yards and three scores. Like I just... I mean, those are okay numbers. Granted, you you were playing for the Colts. And you had Carson Wentz as your quarterback, so that's got to play into it a little bit. But, I don't know. That interesting move, to, to say the least. So, today's show, here in just a few minutes, Jeff Duncan of NOLA.com and is going to join us to talk about his latest column about Sean Payton and... The fact that according to some people close to the former Saints coach, he could be returning to the Saints next season. So that's interesting. We'll dive into that. 5 o'clock, Tiger Talk with Wilson Alexander. We'll talk about the players entering the transfer portal, declaring for the draft, the early signing period coming up, and so much more. And then at 5.30, we're going to talk with Christian Clark about the red-hot New Orleans Pelicans. Big show for you today. But first, the game 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets to a special sneak peek of the new Whitney Houston biopic, I Want to Dance with Somebody. That's right. See it before anyone else by simply texting Whitney to 68683. That's Whitney to 68683 to score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek December 20th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. It's the I Want to Dance with Somebody sneak preview brought to you by A. Bryan's Jewelers and the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Take a time out. Jeff Duncan joins us next here on the game at Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 17 after the hour here on your Monday. You're listening to Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 337-706-0111. 
is the number to call on the game hotline. You know, for weeks now, we've been talking about New Orleans Saints coaching and is it time to move on from Dennis Allen? And if you do move on from Dennis Allen, where do you go? And will Sean Payton be back in coaching this coming season in 2023? What kind of trade value can we get for him? Blah, blah, blah. Well, did you ever think about the fact that Sean might want to come back to the New Orleans Saints? Jeff Duncan of NOLA.com joins us. Jeff, thanks for taking the time. How are you, sir? Doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys. So, you know, yesterday it was reported by you that, you know, you you had spoken to people close to, to Sean Payton, and, you know, it seemed like the Saints could be in the mix if Sean Payton wanted to return to coaching. I mean that that yeah no I, I well, don't think anybody thought about that. That that's exactly the point of the of the piece was uh, I think most people feel like that ship had sailed, uh, the door had closed. That Sean Payton was looking for a new chapter in his life, and the more people I talked to, the more uh, it became apparent that he hasn't done that at all. That you know he he took a year off basically to recharge his batteries. He'd been burned out. Uh, he definitely, you know, needed a break. I think personally and professionally, and he's gotten that. I mean, he's his batteries are recharged. He's enjoying TV work. He's living out in LA, and I think he's got the itch to get back, you know, in the arena, so to speak. And the people I talk to, when you start asking where might he go, what potential places might he land, New Orleans certainly was in the mix, and I don't think people knew that. Certainly, Saints fans, I don't think knew that and i thought it was important to at least bring up the possibility now do i think it's going to happen i'd say it's probably very unlikely that it does happen but i think it's a possibility and i think people didn't know that until till sunday now look, looking at at some other teams that could make sense for sean the cardinals the chargers you know and, there, and there's a handful of others that kind of come to mind for obvious reasons uh you know where where do you kind of rank those spots in your in your opinion what makes the most sense for Sean Payton well I think the fact that he's he's living in LA his daughter is in LA and the, the fact that his his main offseason home now is up in Idaho he's kind of west coast based now in his life so it makes sense to think that Los Angeles either of those jobs and I don't think it's out of the question that something could happen with Sean McVay I mean there were rumors last year that he might go into TV work and step away so I certainly think you know there's always a surprise in the NFL but I do think the Los Angeles market I know he's happy out there and he enjoys living out there right now so that makes sense but frankly I don't know if either job is going to open and and I don't think Sean Payton matter of fact I know Sean Payton is not going to just coach next year to coach I mean he's only going to go if the opportunity is right if the fit is right He's not going to go to a dysfunctional organization or losing habitual losing organization or one with bad management and ownership. He doesn't have to. He's very happy doing what he's doing, so it wouldn't surprise me. It, it, you know, if I had to guess right now, I would say more than likely he doesn't coach next year. Even though I think he wants to coach next year, I'm not seeing really anything viable opening up. If in fact the Los Angeles Chargers make the playoffs and do not move on from Brandon uh, Staley. And um, and the Dallas Cowboys, who I've seen speculated a lot, people seem to keep forgetting that they've won about 75% of their games under Mike McCarthy. I don't think he's going anywhere in Dallas. 
Now, you, you mentioned one team in Texas, but I'm kind of curious your thoughts on another team. Like, what if he goes to the Houston Texans? Feels like that, well, that would they, be an interesting situation that there. feels like a dysfunctional organization to me of, of all places. Uh, you know, like, I go back to the – to the, the quote that I've heard Sean utter a million times, I mean, his mentor, Bill Parcells, has always said, you know, there are 10 or 12 organizations in the NFL that are successful functioning organizations that are in the mix every year, in the playoff mix. Uh, they might not win it every year, but they're, they're in the hunt. And then the rest of the league's kind of swimming in circles, can't stay out of their own way, and you want to avoid those teams. And I feel like the Texans squarely – are in that mix of dysfunctional organizations. I don't think Sean Payton would consider them or, you know, has to consider them because I think at some point he's going to find a better fit and a better opportunity. And I think that more than everyone's tried to put two and two together and say, oh, he's going to go somewhere with a quarterback. And, look, there's no doubt he understands how important the quarterback is to success in the NFL. But I think that's a lower priority because I think Sean – uh, is confident in his ability to get a good quarterback in there, either through free agency or the draft, and the, the, it's not as important as finding the right fit organizationally. Now, you know, let, let's say hypothetically Sean does return to New Orleans. You, you've seen a relationship developing as of late with Tom Brady. Uh, could could there be any likelihood that maybe he comes play a year for the Saints under Sean Payton? I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, I think they've got the same agent, James, uh, James, Don Yee, I'm sorry, Don Yee is the agent for Tom Brady and and uh, Sean Payton. I know that there was definitely some truth to the fact that if Drew Brees would have retired in 2000, that Tom Brady would have been in the mix to come to New Orleans then. So I don't think there's any doubt that that's a possibility. Uh, and Tom Brady has come out already and said that all options are on the table for him. Just like I think Sean Payton, all options are going to be on the table for him at the end of the season. If Sean does go to another team, does Dennis Allen more likely not stay as the head coach for the Saints? Oh, I, I think it would be impossible for Dennis Allen to stay here with Sean Payton. I mean, he would have to move on. I just don't see how that would work. Not, not If I'm Dennis Allen, I would not want to be here. Uh, you know, if that happened. So that would be the unfortunate situation. And I don't think the Saints would move on from Dennis Allen unless it was an unusual circumstance like potentially getting Sean Payton back. I don't think they would move on for any other coach in the NFL or in the college ranks. I think it's a strictly a one-off with, with Sean Payton. Chat with Jeff Duncan of NOLA.com. You know, looking at the final four games of the season for the Saints, you got the Falcons, Panthers, Browns, and Eagles. You know, looking at those games realistically, what you know, what what's the outlook for the Saints in the final four games of the season? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I, I don't know what we're going to see. Uh, I think that game was in Tampa was a devastating loss, uh, emotionally, mentally, in every way. They've gone all in on that game. We see now just the opportunity lost by losing it. Uh, I think the bye week in some ways was good for the Saints because it allowed them to heal up physically. But I think mentally and emotionally, doing over that for two weeks is going to be difficult to come back from. I do think it'll be interesting to see how they how they respond 
on Sunday in the Superdome. Atlanta's got, obviously, huge incentive. Carolina now has big incentive. Uh, we, we know the Eagles could be a buzzsaw for anybody. Uh, I think it's going to be very important for Dennis Allen to finish up with some kind of momentum, with some kind of positive development with this team. Uh, because I, I, I do think if, if they were to lose out, uh, I, I do think there would be some serious consideration for, uh, you know, do they move on from him at some point because of how things have played out. With uh, Let's face it, it's not worked out the way anybody thought it would this season. One final question for you, Jeff. A lot of expiring contracts coming up here this offseason. Uh, it's obviously going to be a very busy one for, for Mickey Loomis and the Saints organization. What are, in your opinion, what are some of the biggest priorities that the Saints need to address? Quarterback position number one, they have to figure that out. I don't. I think right now it's completely uncertain and unsettled. Uh, where do they go at the most important position in the game? Then you've got a couple of huge expiring contracts. The biggest one, I think, Marcus Davenport, who's clearly their most dominant defensive end edge rusher. Uh, he's going to command a huge deal, probably. Even even though he hasn't produced at the level, I think a lot of people expected. He's still a force at defensive end and affects games with his with his rush, with his physicality. And I know the Saints value him, but at what value, considering their cap situations? To me, those are the two main priorities. And you have to get, I think, some some changes with the coaching staff. I think. That will will definitely happen in the South season. I don't know where he's going to make changes. I wouldn't speculate there, but I think they're going to shake some things up because I think the status quo that they had this year did not work out, and some fresh ideas, some fresh blood in the building would probably be a welcome change. Jeff Duncan joining us here on Crunch Time. Jeff, really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Sure. Thanks for having me on, James. Appreciate it. And there he goes, Jeff Duncan of nola.com staying on the topic of the saints dennis allen was asked today you know four games left could there be a change at quarterback he did say that andy dalton would start this coming sunday uh, but he elaborated even further to say they'll evaluate everything as they finish out these last four games uh, when asked if there was thought to starting winston since he's under contract in 2023 However, Dennis Allen went on to say, you know, Andy's done some good things. I think we've got to do a lot of other things around him to help him. God, I'm so tired of hearing that line. I am so tired of hearing that line. The fact that he absolutely dodged it was like, well, let's actually Andy, talk about Andy here. <laughs> there, I, I'm starting to believe, James, mm-hmm. that there's got to be a vendetta Maybe not a vendetta. Maybe vendetta is a bad word. But there's got to be an issue somewhere between Dennis Allen and Jameis Winston. How are you not playing him? It kind of feels like like even when you go back to the offseason, remember they tried to go get Deshaun. And I know Jameis is all about the team, and we've still seen him, even whenever they do good things and him being on the sideline, he's still clapping it up. He's still rooting for the guys playing on the field and like that's good but I feel like that that kind of had an effect and there's a reason why Dennis went for it because it's like otherwise I I, I mean let's be honest I probably would have done the same thing I if I can if I had a chance to go from a guy that is kind of on a pretty solid level but then get somebody that I feel like 
has well, an all-world level talent, you right. go for it. But it kind of feels like there was kind of that rift, and at that point, with Dennis Allen kind of like being like, oh, "Got to settle for this guy." Let we got to now we just got to settle for Jameis, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, and and, 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 then, and now and now you get the perfect excuse of well, there were injuries and right, and it's like well, actually, every few games it's like, hey, well, I mean, you either win because you win every third game, or even in the in even in most of the losses, it's like you don't put all the blame on Andy Dalton. It's not like he threw for fifty yards. But the my whole thing, game. but my thing is this, and we've hammered this fact before. It has been reported numerous times. The Jameis is as healthy as he's going to be in season. Why not play him? I mean, is it going to be so bad to where it's worse than Andy Dalton? Is, is Dennis Allen worried that, that Jameis comes out and plays well and then Dennis Allen looks bad for not playing him the last four weeks? Like, what is it? I mean, now there's no point. There's four games left. You're four and nine. There, there's no point now. You're 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 eliminated from the playoffs. Well, actually, no, you you're not. Technically, you're not. Which is which is wild to me. Um, yeah, I mean, you're not officially eliminated. But the fact but, that the Panthers won yesterday that does not help by any stretch. The fact that Tampa Bay now, obviously, you got to credit San Francisco. They're fantastic. But the fact that you watched a San Francisco team led by their third-string rookie quarterback beat Tampa Bay so badly that Fox cut out of the broadcast literally said, we're not going to subject our viewers to this any longer. And I was kind of upset about that because I was like, man, I don't get to watch the the ass-whooping anymore. That makes the loss... To Tampa on Monday night, so, so much, much worse. worse, so much worse. It, it, and and it kind of makes you you frustrated about the loss to San Francisco because that's a game you were in until the very end. I mean, San Francisco didn't really do anything to beat you. So, you know, th- those games looking at it are, are really frustrating, um, but. Obviously, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and now you're sitting at 4-9 and nine with four games to go against some pretty good teams that you're probably not going to beat. So, great time for the black and gold. Uh, speaking of the black and gold, the Saints have signed David Johnson to the active roster, and they've also cut Josh Andrews. So, could that be a good sign for Eric McCoy? Maybe he's, he's one step closer to coming back. That, I mean... Look, the, the Saints need anybody at uh, at this point. I mean, hell, they, they they might be interested in signing me for for all I know. I mean, you just need bodies at this point. Do they even have fifty three people to put on the sideline? Probably not. It is, oof, man, oh man. Seven zero six zero one 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 is the number to call on the game hotline. Multiple players once again entering the transfer portal, opting out of bowl games, including Tennessee wide receiver Cedric Tillman. He's opting out of the Orange Bowl to prepare for the NFL draft. Uh, Jare Jenkins announced his plans to enter the NFL draft. Uh, 
He did not say that he would sit the Citrus Bowl, um, so we will we will obviously wait on on that uh, news from Jure Jenkins. But he is foregoing his final year of eligibility to enter the 2023 NFL Draft. You can listen to all your favorite Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Nonstop Christmas music 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Listen live at lachristmaschannel.com or download the free mobile app on both Apple and Android devices. And you can also listen on your Amazon Alexa. So listen to Holiday Cheer with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Take a timeout, and when we return, James and I will look back at the weekend once again, recapping some big games in college basketball, including both LSU and the Raging Cajuns getting some quality wins in their resume. You're listening to The Game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the goner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time. 438 right now as we continue talking about the NFL and talking about football in general. And let me tell you about FanDuel real quick because one of the things I love about betting on the NFL is that I'm always finding new players or game props that I like. And what's cool about FanDuel Sportsbook is you can combine these props with other bets from the same game to score an even bigger payout. Perfect for Monday night's game tonight against the Cardinals and Patriots. A quick parlay that I made for you is a D-Hop anytime touchdown, a Ramondre Stevenson anytime touchdown, and then the Pats money line. Same game parlays are just one of the reasons why I bet with FanDuel. It's easy to place your bet fast during a game if you see the trend that you like. There are odds, boosts, and specials each day and some big super boosts each weekend around the local and national matchups. There's no feeling like nailing a same game parlay bet, so lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code KLWB. That's promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is not withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, Call 1-877-770-STOP. Looking back a little earlier, we were talking about the Eagles and the Saints, and I had said that there's a possibility that the Eagles could rest their starters when they play the Saints Week 17. And someone had said there's no shot. There's no way that the Eagles would do it. But, I mean, if you think about it, the Eagles right now have are two games ahead of both the Vikings who are now 10-3 because they lost to the Lions and they also because they beat the Vikings and they also beat the Cowboys who are also 10-3. So at that point, you got a two-game lead over them. So even if you end up with the same record as them and you go 2-0 and in these next two weeks and even if the Vikings and Cowboys do the same thing, you'll still be ahead. If you lose to the Saints and if you lose to the Giants in Week 18, you still have... You still have the number one seat. So would it make sense? Or could could they could they still play their, their team and still play like Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders and AJ Brown? Sure. Sure, you can. Like if you still wanna if you wanna keep the Saints at like the five pick, 
But even if you lose to the Saints and the Saints now have that Saints pick becomes now the sixth pick, are you really gonna boudet that much? Because what if you lose one of your key pieces or multiple pieces during that Saints game and or Giants game? Well, then that really hurts your chances at that Super Bowl run. So it's like, do you prioritize having a pick be one selection higher? Or do you go for the <laughs> or do you go all the way for the Super Bowl? Because at this point, we had talked about I had talked about it with with you, Matt, with the Cajuns, how you were saying just pretty much don't even worry about the Florida State game at all. Just play all your your bench warmers and then just kind of cruise and just get out of there as fast as possible well, and then the, put, and put the, all your not the whole game well a big majority of it well you were like you had said pretty much yeah, if, 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 you, if, if you go down kind of early just just call it off and wave the white flag i mean yeah it's kind of like it's kind of the same situation here i mean at this point but it's a different situation because you've already secured your spot you don't have you wouldn't have to worry about risking any injuries you rest your your big guys you rest your lane johnsons you rest cj gardner johnson who's had a couple of injuries throughout the year you rest people like big play slay like jalen hurts like miles sanders and aj brown your key pieces of you winning games you resting them the last two weeks even if it is against a team that you have their pick i don't i don't see anybody getting rest in week 17 i just don't I mean, you you rarely see that happen. I I just I I don't see the Eagles doing that. Week eighteen, yeah, everybody sits. Seventeen, I just I, I think I think everybody's gonna play. Which is fair because I mean you've had the Saints number, but even even if you have you've had the Saints number anyway. But to me, it's like they're they're down even more than they were last year, and you beat on them pretty bad. And that was with Trevor Simeon. But still, to me, could they easily start their players? Sure, I, I could very easily see that. But t- to me, it would make a lot of sense. You've already got the one seed locked up. Why risk anything? That's fair. It, it, both both sides of that argument are are, are very fair. Um. So with, with the college football playoff coming up, I, I found this article from ESPN, and it is ranking the 36 teams that have made the college football playoff. What I find interesting is for, for years now, people have sat there and talked about how the 2019 LSU team was the greatest team in college football history. So how are they the second best team in playoff history? That's what doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But uh, we'll dive deeper into that in just a second. Let's go to the hotline. Ralph, what's up? Hey, guys. Uh, well, first of all, um, I think the Eagles could rest their starters and still beat the Saints, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, yeah, I think they'll play. I mean, look, even if they play them a half, uh, if they, but you don't want to start winding down in week 17. I think you risk uh, not being sharp for the playoffs if you if you do that. Um, the, and the, the difference between five, six, seven, where we're, we're you know our pick would have been for the Eagles really won't matter because what you ideally if you needed a franchise quarterback, great. Well, they don't need that, uh, so there'll be a, a really quality player that'll fall. 
um, you know, be available where where it shouldn't have been. You know, um, ideally, we, we'd have if we'd have had that pick, we could have maybe got our young quarterback for the future, but that ain't gonna happen. But I, I missed the the Duncan interview, but I had a little Twitter back and forth with him yesterday uh, after reading the column because you know he was kind of a initially um, saying that Brady and 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 Peyton might might end up in New Orleans and I'm like I went no part of Tom Brady and and I'm like, well, you know what what other quarterbacks do you think and he threw out Geno Smith and Jimmy G and I'm like man I just think it's time we we've I know our quarterback drafting we haven't tried it a whole lot you know ever since uh you know just with the failed experiments with uh Ian Book and and, and Gary Grayson but I think we've got to get the the quarterback that we can just have for a long time, you know, and kind of build around. And, and um, I don't think Sean wants to do that at this point in his career. So I I just think, you know, if one of those L.A. jobs opens up, you know, or maybe Arizona, that's, you know, I could see him going there. Uh, I guess the danger in, in waiting another year is what if, uh, what if suddenly they turn it around, kind of like uh, everybody thought the Lions job might be open, uh, you know, after, uh, after this year. Well, Dan Campbell's doing a hell of a job now, you know, so um, you wait too long, you might miss out on opportunities. So it'll be interesting to see, but I, I just don't see him coming back. Yeah, it, it's definitely a uh, a strange de- development because, again, like like I told Jeff at the beginning of the interview, for, for the longest time, that, that that ship had sailed. Like, there, there was no chance Sean was coming back to New Orleans. So, so now that that's even being discussed is just kind of like a – Wait, wait a second. Why, why would he even want to come back to the Saints? Yeah, that's what I'm worried about too. Knowing that you don't have a number one next year, and again, I'm, I'm just looking at, you know, I, I know you, you know you can have a not. I'm not gonna. I shouldn't use the, the word anomaly, you know, but you can have a seventh round, uh, third string quarterback come in and win a game in the NFL, uh, you know, occasionally. Uh, is that going to be your franchise quarterback? You know, and and I mean. It, it um, I think knowing you know, and it's not just our number one next year. We we gave up some other future picks in in the next couple of drafts as well. Um, so I don't think he wants to kind of retool a, a roster, and, and we're going to be losing a lot in free agency. We'll have to because you know, it, eventually you pay the piper, so you're going to have to let some of your you guys walk in free agency and 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 get under the cap number. You can't keep pushing it back every every year. Um, so I, actually, I, I just, I see. I mean, the, the Chargers would be the ideal situation, but you know, if they, if they end up making the playoffs and make a little run, then I think it would be hard for them to to, to, to part ways. But um, and you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, uh, look, I, I, I'll forever be thankful for what he did for the franchise. But in the back of my mind, and, and I know this is not going to be a popular take. But I'll always wonder how much of it was was Breeze and how much of it was Sean, you know. And and we'll guess we'll never really know that answer. But it's um, it's it's a interesting to ponder. Yep. No, absolutely, Ralph. Appreciate the call, man. As always. All right, buddy. Enjoy it, man. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of things to to look at. Uh, you know, like I talked about with, with Jeff, Sean and Tom Brady have developed a relationship. So, you know, they have the same agent. 
Could it be possible that they both end up in New Orleans? Absolutely. Could Is it possible that they both end up in L.A.? Probably not, because unless it's the Rams and you, you cut ties with Matthew Stafford, but I don't know why you would cut ties with Matthew Stafford for a quarterback that's even older. That doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. But uh, it's definitely not going to be Brady for the Chargers because, I mean, you've got Justin Herbert. You're, you're set at the quarterback position for the next 12 years. I mean, the the, the, the kid's bionic. It's, it's incredible. Uh, but anyways, I digress. We'll take a timeout, wrap up hour number one right after this here on The Game. It's Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Finishing up hour number one as it's 4.53 on the clock right now. And let's get to T, who's on the hotline. How you doing, T? Hey, good. And you, Matt? Oh, we're doing all right. I'm good, sir. What you got? Oh, okay. Uh, I hope you don't mind. I circle back to the beginning of the show when you mentioned the Pelicans and uh, somebody being a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. I hope you're not talking about Zion's dump. I mean, I, I I am, but on the on the Suns side of it, um. Uh, I'm calling the I'm calling the Suns a hypocrite because well exactly I mean who pays their salaries I mean all the players the fans correct ultimately right well well not only well not only that but you know the 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 reason that they got so upset is because there's an unwritten rule in, in basketball that you just kind of run out the clock in that instance but then if you go back to I don't remember what game it was in the playoffs last year. One of the games, the, the Suns did the exact same thing. I know, right? Well, here's my thing. If I buy a ticket, should I say, uh, I want it cheaper, unwritten rules. No, I want to see a Zion dunk. I don't care if it's at the beginning of the game, in, whatever. I want to see that. Yep. That's what I paid for. Absolutely. Correct or not correct? No, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. All right, guys. Yeah, I will get you. I right, appreciate you, T. And then he also also another thing. CP three went for a layup, and that's and then he missed, and that's why Lance got the ball or Larry Larry Nance got the ball, yep. and then just passed. It was like you could have just Chris Ball could have waited, and then I even saw uh, like kind of some of the post game. Larry Nance even said, "Well, I don't think it was necessarily that. I think it was just more of chomping between Jose and CP three, which was." Like the the initial kind of like argument because it's not like players went up to it's not like Suns players went up to Zion, yep. to be like, hey, what you doing, bro? Right. It was it was more of CP3 having to be separated by Willie Green and then some of the Suns staff being like, hey, get off our guy. Yeah, it, it escalated into much more than than it should have been. But look, Zion throwing down a dunk with ten seconds left in a game should mean absolutely nothing. Why not? You didn't want them to throw down a dunk? Don't let them be up by eight with less than a minute left. Play better defense. 
make more shots, all, all whatever. Same thing, in, in, pe- people got on Fernando Tatis a couple years ago, or I think it might have been last year, for taking a 3-0 pitch and banging it into left field. Don't throw it right down the heart of the plate. I don't care what count it is. If there's a fastball right down the center in my wheelhouse, how often am I going to see that ball? I'm, I'm hitting that sucker 350 or 400 or how, however far it can go. I, I mean, you can't blame the guy. It's an unwritten rule. Now I understand that you know there's, integrity, and you don't want to disrespect your opponent. There, there's un, you there's show understood some sportsmanship. There, there's understood things, and that's that's great. That it's that way in all sports. But again. It's a he threw down a dunk. It's not like Michigan players who were uh, using their cleats to rip up Michigan State's field. Correct. So I mean I I don't know I don't think it's that big of a deal. But anyways, hour number one in the books. Hour number two getting kicked off with Wilson Alexander for Tiger Talk. You are listening to the game one zero three seven Lafayette one zero four one Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two on a Monday edition of Crunch Time. You're listening to the game at Southwest Louisiana's sports station and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. I don't appreciate being roasted Um, just because I had a bad day playing wiffle ball home run derby doesn't mean that I'm bad at baseball. Just not very good. Big difference. (laughs) In hour number one, we chatted with Jeff Duncan about this new development in in the Sean Payton tango, whatever whatever you want to call it. and here in hour number two, we're going to talk about the red-hot New Orleans Pelicans, winners of seven straight. But before we do that, early signing period, transfer portal, bowl game prep, there's a lot to talk about with the LSU Tigers. It's time for Tiger Talk. Johnson throws. Boutte's got it wide open at the 10. Far side. He's in for the score. Hit high. Hammered to left field. Going back, taking a look. is Holcomb, and it's gone. Time to talk all things Bayou Bengals with the advocates, Wilson Alexander. Here is Tiger Talk on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Wilson, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. First of all, I've, I've got to say, sir, congratulations on, uh, on, on the engagement over the weekend. Oh, thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. It was a... Uh... Lovely, lovely uh, evening for us, and uh, we've been uh, just really showered with love from a lot of friends and family, and, and thank you. Uh, yeah. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. So, you know, the the big news of the day today is, is, is of course, Jure Jenkins has announced his intention to forego his final year of eligibility and declare for the 2023 NFL Draft. B.J. Ojolari kind of did the same o- over the weekend Two really big losses on both sides of the ball for the Tigers. Uh, you know how how do you go about that? Especially a guy like Jare Jenkins, who you maybe thought would come back next year. Yeah, neither of this was really unexpected because Jare it was a fifth year senior and and he thought about going to the league last year. 
Uh, he came back. I think a big piece of it, if I remember correctly, was to get his degree. Uh, the promise that he had made to his mom before she died, and um, he was able to do that, and um, you know, really have a, a solid year. Uh, once again, just a steady, reliable receiver there in that room. Not necessarily someone who ever had like an a thousand yard season or anything like that, but I mean, he led the team with six touchdown catches, and um, it seemed like it was probably going to head to the league. Uh, this year, he makes that official. Sort of the big surprising maybe piece of that, or what you really learned was that he's not going to play in the Citrus Bowl either. Um, he opts out of that. BJ also uh, was expected to go pro. He's going to be LSU's highest drafted player this year, um, unless you know, barring any sort of sudden you know, changes in anything. Um, he is a um, you know was going to be a late first round uh, draft pick, uh, maybe. Uh, more likely into the second, but could get himself up into the first, and um, had just had a, you know another great year as an edge rusher. And um, you know LSU's got to find a way, particularly at, at his position at edge rusher, to fill the void and, and find somebody else who can play that jack outside linebacker position because there's not a natural, obvious successor on the roster. Um, they're gonna they're looking to transfer portal there in particular. Um, they've got some freshmen coming in. Um, that's going to be a big question mark now heading into next season. Is who is the edge rusher? And then you know, looking in that in that same regard, a couple of players transferring out, including an edge rusher in Desmond Little, also tight end Cole Taylor, and and a couple others, Kobe Fields as well. Uh, what can you tell us uh, about these guys that are entering the transfer portal? And you know, we we talk about the transfer portal being, oh, these guys are leaving. Could any of them possibly step right back into LSU? Um, it's always a possibility, uh, as I think it's something that people often forget, but it's always there. You've, just because you enter the transfer portal doesn't mean you can't come back. We've seen it happen before. Obviously, the most prominent example with LSU football being Miles Brennan was in the transfer portal and came back. Um, I think that it would, you know, usually if somebody has entered the transfer portal, there has had a, a conversation that's happened with the coaching staff, and they're all sort of on the same page about it. And so it would be a surprise. Something would have to, have to change for them to come back, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. All these guys generally – um, are losses that LSU can withstand. Generally, they all of them are, share sort of a commonality if they were a little bit further down the depth chart, and they need to go and find somewhere where they're going to get more playing time and more of an opportunity um, than they might have gotten by staying at LSU. Um, Jack Besh, you know, like even in, in his case, um, wanted to have more of a prominent role in whatever offense he was going to be in moving forward. Um, from what I understand, and you know, he just sort of sort of slipped back in the in the pecking order there at wide receiver, and there's a, another crop of freshmen coming in, and so even though he might have continued to be one of LSU's options there, he probably wouldn't have been the featured uh, receiver, um, you know, heading into next season, you know, particularly with Kayshawn coming back, and so um, no, no like massive surprises in terms of who's left uh, the the into the transfer portal at this point. Uh, for LSU, and, and in a lot of areas, uh, you know, they've got depth at those spots already, or they've got somebody coming in who you think could fill out. The only one that um, maybe not necessarily is now a tight end. Only one player who came to LSU on scholarship, that being Mason Taylor, and they need to find some more tight ends. Nicole Taylor has entered the transfer portal. Now, you know, looking at the transfer portal, are, are there any names that have kind of jumped out to you as like a? Oh, you know, this guy could fit in pretty well at LSU. This is a need for LSU, things like that. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple that they've offered um, already, and it's all at positions of need. Um, those four positions that LSU is really looking at are edge rusher, uh, cornerback in particular, um, 
defensive tackle, and then, like I said, tight end. And there's a few names who could end up uh, fitting into to that. Um, one that comes to mind is a tight end from Shorter, who was the first person LSU offered uh, Kyle Morlock. Um, he was a Division II tight end there at Shorter. Uh, they've also already uh, offered a uh, edge rusher from Oregon um, to maybe come in and help out Braden Swinson. Um, there's a edge rusher, I think, from Coastal Carolina um, who entered the portal uh, named LSU in his top three um, uh, finalists. Um, and there, there's certainly more guys uh, who they are, have been looking at. Um, uh, there's a cornerback whose name is suddenly slipping my mind out of Texas A&M um, who would be an intriguing option because he was a, a five-star who's, as a freshman last year and you know now after, after one season leaving the Aggies. Um, clearly a lot of talent there having come out of, out of school as a, out of high school as a five star. So, um, but those are definitely the four positions that they need the most. Chadwick Wilson Alexander of the advocate looking at the 2023 recruiting class because, you know, early signing days next week, uh, right, right around the corner here. Uh, currently the, the sixth ranked class in college football, Zalance Hurd, Shelton Sampson Jr., Jalen Brown, Kylan Jackson, and a, a handful of others, including quarterback Ricky Collins, of this class, you know, are what guys really jump out to you as guys that you know probably going to sign in that early signing period? Yeah, still getting a sense of exactly who's going to sign. As Shelton is expected to sign early. Things that Lance is signing early as well. You know, it's pretty. Uh, you're you're going to get most of the class signed uh, next week. Uh, you know, these, a lot of these guys, LSU has uh, you know, been taking in home visits with uh, lately uh, just to secure those commitments from uh, the, this 23 class. Um, because as much as we've been talking about the transfer portal, Brian Kelly is really focused on trying to rebuild this roster through traditional recruiting classes and then, you know, use transfers here and there to plug as needed, but really doesn't want to have to go into the portal as much as he did last year, certainly. And even as much as they're going to this year, want to get this roster to a point like Georgia, like they saw in the NCC championship game, a team that is now number one in the going to the college football playoff that didn't even take a transfer because they, even though they were in the market for some and they, they missed out on them, they didn't, it wasn't a necessity. LSU was still a necessity at those positions. So um, they really focused on getting this class signed. They could have a few more join into it. JV, uh, Toviano, uh, top 100 cornerback, uh, commits on Thursday. Desmond Ricks is next week uh, on the 23rd, and he's a top 50 cornerback who reclassified from the 2024 class. Those are two big guys in particular who else needs to land down the stretch to reinforce uh, what they've got coming in at cornerback um, and the, you know build up that position again. But the majority of this class will get signed next week. Looking at this class, and I, I know it's going to be kind of hard to tell this until you see them participate you know, at LSU, but are there any guys that just by looking at them in high school really jump out as these guys could make an immediate impact? Yeah, the first person who comes to mind is Deshaun Womack. He is a uh, top 50 uh, defensive end, um, but one who could play Jack linebacker, you know, maybe be that heir apparent to B.J. Ojolari um, at that spot as, you know, the sort of stand-up outside linebacker in that 3-4 that Matt House uh, runs. Um you know, he's certainly someone who could, who looks like that. Shelton Sampson and Jalen Brown, who you mentioned, um, are, you know, top 100 receivers, top 50 receivers even, um, who could come in and, and make an instant impact, or at least, even though there's this shaping up to be another stacked receiver room next year, fit themselves into the rotation early 
um, and, and start to you know emerge as maybe your receivers of the future. Um, those two in particular, then Zillance Hurd is another one who looks like he is college ready. LSU would like to get to the position where it's not having to start another freshman on the offensive line. Obviously, it went pretty well this year with Will Campbell and Emory Jones, um, but it's still a young offensive line. Brad Davis is going to have this room uh, remain to be competitive. No one ever has a spot locked up, and Delance is somebody who could come in and maybe slide right in at right tackle. And it'll be kind of interesting, actually, uh, just because if that ends up being the case, um, then you'd have Will Campbell and Delance Hurd as your tackles, and they were both played at Neville up in Monroe. Lastly, Wilson, you know, we're talking about transfer portal and, and guys declaring for the draft and opting out of bowl games. Who else could you see from LSU maybe, you know, opting out of the bowl game? Oh, man. Um, I, I really don't know uh, at this point. Anybody who declares for the draft, uh, you know, is, is might, might opt out. Um, but a lot of the players who, um, you know, they don't, they don't have anybody who, other than like BJ, was going to be maybe like a first-round pick. And so most of the guys who even are going to head on to the NFL could, could use, you know, another game to put a little, just a little bit more on tape. Um, I mean, we've seen that even with Jay Ward. You know, he declared he was the first player to declare, but he is going to play in the Citrus Bowl. And so we'll have to kind of see how it shakes out. We're still waiting on, you know, decisions from a handful of players who, um, you know, are, have some eligibility left. Um, Greg Brooks, obviously Jaden Daniels. Uh, John Emery, you know, has um, some eligibility left, and um, but could be thinking about the NFL. We don't know what's going on with him yet, and so we'll we'll have to kind of wait and see. And also, just my previous answer before, um, if if uh, you know, Lance Hurd was to play tackle, I just wanted to add on to that. You know, Emory Jones was kind of a natural guard, could slide back inside, but you know, Emory is obviously going to be a big piece of that line moving forward. That wasn't to discount him in any way. Wilson Alexander joining us from The Advocate. Wilson, appreciate you as always. Have a great week, and uh, we'll do it again next Monday. Sounds good. Y'all have a good one. Tune in next week for another edition of Tiger Talk. Here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Welcome back here on Crunch Time. 18, almost 19 after the hour. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, there is a Monday night football game being played tonight it is Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. They will travel out to the desert to take on Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. And guess where you can listen to it? Man, uh, there's a lot of options, but my first guess would have to be right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Yeah, and did you know that the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, is Southwest Louisiana Sports Station? I did know that. Yeah, and so, I mean... What what more could you want? Monday Night Football on the best station in Southwest Louisiana. Boom shakalaka. I mean, it's it's a done deal. However, the New England Patriots, two-and-a-half-point favorites over the Call of Duty playing Kyler Murray. I mean, the Cardinals have just been bad. It's been rough for them. Now, New England, they've had their struggles as well. That's true. That's true. Um... But man, 
the Cardinals have just been peak bad. Because right now, could Arizona still make the playoffs? Sure. But it feels like there's a lot more to play for with New England than there is Arizona. Arizona wants to turn around. I've seen the emotion out of Buda Baker whenever he was damn near crying to the team after another loss a, a few weeks back. But, man, it feels like with the Patriots, it feels like they've been so close these last couple of weeks. They almost had it against the Vikings in, on Thanksgiving night. And then they lost last week. Wasn't it on Thursday night? Uh, maybe. So yeah, it was it was last Thursday against the Bills. So I'm I'm looking at some playoff predictors. If the Patriots win tonight to go to seven and six, they would be in the playoff picture as the seventh seed in the AFC. They would make the playoff picture. They would play Kansas City as it stands now. Um, and the Cardinals, obviously, would, would be out. Um, but but let, let's talk about something that, that I find insane. The playoffs started today. Please explain to me, James, how the 6-7 and seven Tampa Bay Buccaneers are seated higher in the playoffs than the 10 and 3 Dallas Cowboys, mm-hmm. the 7 5 and 1 Commanders, mm-hmm. and the 7 5 and 1 New York Giants. And the 7 and 6 Seattle Seahawks. Well, I mean, them too, but right now they're not even in the playoff picture, Correct. according to this playoff predictor. Because they, they had just lost yesterday to the Panthers. How is a losing team the fourth seed? Do you want me to answer it legitimately? Yeah. It's because the division winners. You have a you oh, have okay. the division Okay, yes, winners. yes, yes. That's fair. That is fair. I, I, you I forgot about that? I didn't think about that. That's fair. I was like, is he trolling me? Like, no, no. I was, I, was, I was seriously asking, but then that, that does make sense. Because I was sitting there looking at it, and I was like, well, wait. Where's the NFC East division winner? Oh, they're the number one seed. So, there it is. That It's okay. Just... <laughs> Just sometimes forget that I'm we'll that, move on that I'm even talking. But anyways, um, so look four four games to go for the Saints, and, and I've seen some people talk about, you know, do you want the Saints to win? Because if they win, that means you don't get to hang on to Dennis Allen, or you have to hang on to Dennis Allen, or do you cheer for them to lose so that Dennis Allen? is more likely to leave. Dude, I think... And it's the conundrum of a lifetime. Man, I really don't think it's that much of a conundrum because I really think Dennis Allen, unless Sean Payton comes back, I really think that they're still going to hold on to him. No! I, like, I really you think can't. so. Like, to me, the fact that you would... No matter the no matter the coaching situation or whatever the player situation is looking like on the roster, to me, for you, for you to purposefully root against the team that you root for... It's like the Saints would have their first losing season, or they're they're gonna have their first losing season in six years. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's terrible. That's horrible. Everybody goes through their ups and downs. Now, if you go three and one over this final four stretch, and you finish me, the season 
to what me, it's not be? how you. To me, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. If you if you if you, if you finish seven and ten, I think then maybe, just maybe, Dennis Allen has done enough to earn another year. I really don't think so. He maybe might might earn another six games, but oh shucks. Win, winning and you having a pulse. I think if you finish, just stir stirs coaches away. I, I think <laughs> if you, I think if you finish five and twelve, or even worse, four and thirteen. I mean, James, I, 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 what what choice do you have? If you finish the season on a six-game losing streak and losing eight of your last nine, then I think you're on a pretty tight leash. On a tight leash, I think you're out the door. You're telling me if the Saints lose, Ms. Eight, ben, Ms. Benson just seems not necessarily laid back, but like if they lose eight of their last nine games, you're telling me that they're not gonna fire the man. I've been wanting to them to for a while. I've said it. I've I've been I've been out. For Dennis Allen since that Cardinals loss, or since the Bengals loss, before even the Cardinals, I, I was over after they lost to the Bengals. I told you I've been out of it, but to me, with how it feels in New Orleans, you talked about Stan Van being fired after his first year with the Pels, but it feels like with the players, it doesn't feel like they have like a hatred towards Dennis Allen like the Pelicans players did with Stan Van. So it doesn't feel like this is necessarily a needed move with Gail Benson and the Saints. Unless you unless you get Sean Payton back. Unless Sean returns this year, then it's like, okay, well, sorry, Dennis, you're gonna have to go. But other than that. Interesting. But I don't understand how you losing games kind of entices a coach even more to be like, let's let me leave this team where I've been kind of successful and let me go to this one that is a dumpster fire. I mean, I I, I don't disagree with with that. I just because I get it. It's a new opportunity, but it's like, and if, then if you're Kellen Moore, and you're coaching a good offense where you've got CD mm, Lamb, nope, guy Tony that, Pollard, nope, guy that's never been a head coach before, he's jumping at any opportunity. He's jumping at any opportunity to be an NFL. He's jumping at any opportunity, but with him still being kind of young. Doesn't matter. Who's who's to say that it, it's almost kind of like a, a Patriot situation where no, where it's like, look, are, are you are, if you if you move on from McCarthy, it's like, hey, why not promote Kellen? No, Martin? no, no. You don't. You think that's just absolutely Jerry ridiculous. Jones is not hiring a never been a head coach to run the Dallas Cowboys. Nope, not happening. Over his dead body, not happening. How old is he? You would you would have to kill that man. For that move to happen, I could not see Jerry Jones firing Mike McCarthy and then saying, "You know what? Let's just promote Kellen Moore." Nope, I don't see that. Now, crazy things have happened, but I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see that being the case. Now, it, it is, it is true that he brought up, he he did hire Jason Garrett, but that worked out real well for him, didn't it? I think I think Jerry learned his lesson from that one. Again, I could be totally wrong. I don't I don't follow the day to day <laughs> operations of the Dallas Cowboys. 
I just I, I don't see how you fire Mike McCarthy, who has had nothing but success in your organization. Might might I add? I don't I don't see how you how how you fire him. I mean, in three years, the guy's won sixty percent of his games. Sixty percent of his games. He's gone twenty eight and eighteen in forty six games. That's not bad. Now, is it, you know, otherworldly? No. But granted, are are the Dallas Cowboys otherworldly? No. But it kind of feels like it, if you make the playoffs, that's cool and all. But if you just keep hitting a roadblock at the at the wild card round, who, who, after a while, if not Sean Payton, who are you gonna hire? Who are you gonna hire? You you're gonna promote a 34 year old OC that's never had a head coaching job, not even in college, has never coached other than being the offensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. Well, everyone always mentions Eric Bieniemy. Because Which I, I still wonder because about. Because he's an offensive guru. I still wonder about that. I mean, I, I do too. Because I, like, I, it's like, okay, we, we hear that he is a guru. But it's like, well, what's wrong with the man? Toward He just never gets hired anywhere. He gets, he gets interviews. Yep. That's no, true. He gets a lot of attention from the media. But it's like, well, well what's the issue? What, what makes it so bad that he just always returns to Kansas City? So I've got one more. I've got one thing on. I've got one piece of news to get to, and then we're going to do a quick college basketball weekend recap before we go to Christian Clark. Uh, former the, the Army Navy game was this past weekend. Army taking down Navy in double overtime, twenty to seventeen. After a fumble at the goal line, uh, this was the fifth win in the last seven years for Army. And first time ever that they played in overtime. 123 meetings, and it was the first time they'd ever played each other in overtime. So anyways, Navy, following the loss, their coach, Ken Nyamatolo, and this is, this is a recount from him, says that he was sitting in his locker sitting by himself at his locker following the midshipman's 20-17 double overtime loss to Army in Philadelphia when Navy Athletic Director Chet Jad- Gladchuk walked in and fired him. They fired that man in the locker room following the game. That couldn't wait till Monday. That couldn't wait till the next morning. You had to do it right then and there. Now look, I I get it. If the guy's not getting the job done, the guy's not getting the job done. But I mean, come on. He just lost the biggest game of his season in one of the worst possible ways to lose a game. And you're just gonna kick the man while he's down. Interesting. But I, I digress. Obviously, coach will find a, uh, a a job somewhere. He is a good coach. He's brought Navy a lot of success in his time there, and uh, he will he will land 
somewhere. There's no doubt about that. Louisiana Raging Cajuns winning 75-58 to at home Saturday night over the Sanford Bulldogs. Terrence Lewis getting 19 points on 7 of 10 shooting to go along with 10 rebounds. Greg Williams and Kentrell Garnett both hitting four three-pointers apiece in a game where the Cajuns shot 50% from beyond the arc, 11 of 22 to score those 75 points. You had four players in double figures. And the meanwhile, for Sanford, who's been a good shoot free a good three-point shooting team all season long, eight of twenty and forty percent from the field in this contest that stayed pretty close throughout, and the Cajuns were finally able to to run away with it late in the contest. Uh, LSU getting a close win over Wake Forest in the Holiday Hoops Giving Tournament, 72-70. to K.J. Williams led the way with 35 points for the Tigers in that contest on 14-21 of 21 shooting. That was a game that the Tigers were down 8 at halftime and outscored the Demon Deacons by 10 in the second half to come away with that 72-70 to 70 win. Women's basketball, LSU, did not play yesterday against UNO due to health and safety issues within the UNO program. Meanwhile, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns were on the road playing Auburn, where they fell 81-41. to Gave up 18-18 and in the first two quarters, then 21-24 and down the back stretch. To, uh, to fall to the Tigers and fall to 5-5 five and five on the season. The game wants to stuff your stocking with a $500 Visa gift card. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes presented by Armentar Jewelers. Simply enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $500 Visa gift card. It's that easy. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes, powered by Armentar Jewelers and The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Take a time out here when we return. Christian Clark of the Times-Picayune joins us next for a conversation about the New Orleans Pelicans right here on The Game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Sign up right now for The Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 5.38, almost 5.39 here on your Monday. The New Orleans Pelicans, winners of their last seven, including two big wins over the Phoenix Suns at home, 128-117 to on Friday night, 129 to 124 in overtime yesterday afternoon. Zion Williamson scoring 35 in each contest. Christian Clark of NOLA.com joins us here on the game hotline. Christian, thanks for taking the time, man. How are you? Hey, what's up, guys? I'm, I'm doing well. It was a, a fun weekend out at the Blender. One of the, the more fun weekends I've had there in my, uh, there's my fourth season covering the team. So, you know, we, we just talked about it. Big wins on, on both nights, seven-game win streak, first place in the West. Is it a little weird how when the Saints are good, the Pelicans are bad, and then vice versa? <laughs> I, You know, I'm, I'm hopeful that at, uh, at some point they can maybe get on the same track. It, it definitely is a little bit weird. I mean, there was, there was a lot of juice in that building yesterday. Um, I mean, I think... You know, like the tickets in the lower bowl were 
were going for a lot, and even you know that that gargantuan upper bowl was almost entirely filled in. So it was a, it was an incredible atmosphere. I mean, I wish there was more day games. Honestly, like thirty on a Sunday is it's perfect for me. Now we know. Talking about this team off to that that hot start, like I said, eighteen and eight, their first place in the Western Division. I mean, twenty six games into the season, Zion Williamson playing very well, looking as healthy as he has since he really stepped into the NBA. And, and then you know you're getting help from CJ McCollum and Jonas Valanciunas, and uh, of course the young talent on the roster. I mean, the the Pelicans can't really complain a whole heck of a lot with uh, with the start that they've had to this season. No, I mean, look, this is the best start in franchise history through through 26 games. They've done this while Brandon Ingram has missed 10 games. They've done this while Herb Jones has missed, you know, extensive time. Those are two of two of their opening night starters. I mean, that's that's 40% of the starting lineup. I mean, they've ripped off seven straight wins. And, you know, I, I think in a weird way, Ingram, Brandon Ingram being out and, and Zion Williamson you know, being forced to, to to kind of take the reins of the offense was a good thing, uh, in a way, because I think you know they've seen like the best version of the Pelicans looks like you know Zion with the ball in his hands at, at the top of the arc, and like you know the offense kind of flowing through him. And I think the other thing we've seen too during this winning streak is is Zion impacting the games in many other ways besides just scoring the basketball. But I think the defensive effort has been night and day compared to earlier in the season from him. You know, it's encouraging for the, this team to look at how well that they've played over this stretch without the services of Brandon Ingram. I mean, what what is this team going to look like whenever B.I. is healthy again? Yeah, I mean, we we still don't know when he is going to be healthy. He was listed as out for the start of this, this road trip against the Utah Jazz. This will be game number eight with a toe contusion. That is um, unusual, to say the least. I think it's, you know, fair to wonder at this point, what else is going on? I think hopefully there'll be some more information this week. Um, but I mean, when he is back, I think there'll be an acclimation period. Honestly, um, I mean, I'm, I'm curious if they continue to to run the offense through Zion to the degree they have these past seven games. Um, I mean, in my opinion, I think Brandon has to adjust to Zion more than Zion has to adjust to Brandon. You know, I think one way Brandon can do that is take more threes. You know, like the if you look at the three point attempts. He came in over of six in his first year, maybe four and a half the second year, down to four. Like I think that three point attempts has got to be pretty high for him because he's playing with you know one of the game's best driving kick players. Looking at the game Friday night against the Suns, Christian, at the end of the game, Zion threw down a uh, a windmill dunk to you know emphatically drop the hammer on on the game, and then the the Suns reacted. You know they were they were clearly very upset by by what happened. In your opinion, you know, did did Zion go too far? Did he break an unwritten rule? And don't you find it a little hypocritical considering the Suns did something very similar in the playoffs last year? Yeah, I was I was completely fine with it. I thought it was incredible. I mean, I think I <laughs> like I got out of my seat and I was hyped too. Um, I mean, look, it's it's an entertainment product, right? And he was entertaining. I mean, I just I can't believe they got mad about it. Like campaign of all people, who's like it was unsportsmanlike. I didn't write. I didn't realize, you know, campaign was like the spokesman on sportsmanship. Um, it was it was kind of ridiculous. Like let's just say, if you're the Suns, there you just got to hold the L. You know, like hold the L, walk off the court, 
try to do better next time. That's it. And then, you know, talking about Zion scoring 35 in both contests, he wins player of the week, averaging 33 points a game in the three games that they played and shooting 70% from the field. Not only can, can you tell that he's, you know, 100% healthy, uh, he, he's playing at an MVP level. I mean, yeah, look, these, these last seven games, he looks like one of the, the five best players in the sport. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm personally, I'm, I mean, I think if he keeps it up, like you could definitely throw him in that conversation. I need to see it for more of a prolonged period because I think there was kind of a, a market shift these last seven, eight games or so. I mean, he just wasn't really bringing the effort he needed to on the defensive end, in, you know, the first 15 games of the season. But, I mean, during this winning streak, I mean, look, it's like 10 out of 10 no notes. Like I tweeted during the game, it looks like a video game right now. Like you press a button, he dribbles through the whole defense, and he scores a left-handed layup, and he's doing so many other things too. I think the effort in terms of rebounding has been a lot better, and he's, we know he's a very talented passer, and he, he's generating turnovers. Like he's making those explosive defensive plays right now routinely in a way we haven't seen in the NBA, which he did a lot at Duke. You know, looking at this team, Willie Green as head coach, and then you know we we look at the the season thus far. I mean, twelve and three at home. You're getting contributions from a lot of people on the roster, including Dyson Daniels. Devontae Graham stepped up at times for you. Jose Alvarado's had some big moments as well. I mean, just talk about you know the youth on this team paying off so early and how it could set up the Pelicans to have a, a stretch run here uh, of some big success. Yeah, man. I mean, look, it's the current regime with David Griffin has had four drafts so far. I think the first two, you know, you're, you're kind of wondering, like, well, was this a great draft for them? I mean, they've, they've absolutely crushed the last two drafts. I mean, for, for them in 2021 to get Trey Murphy, Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado, that's an incredible haul. And then it looks like, you know, they, they at the very least hit a, hit a double here, drafting Tyson Daniels number eight. It could, uh, it could be a triple or it could even be a home run. You know, we'll just kind of have to see how it plays out. But there's so much young talent on this team. And, you know, one of the things that stuck out to me is NBA rookies are almost never pluses on the defensive end. Like, it is very hard for a guy to come in in his first year and, and be a positive on the defensive end. Like, there's so much skill in the NBA now, it's, it's gotten so hard for defenses. And the Pelicans have had three of those guys in the last two years. Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado, and Dyson Daniels. Like, they're third in the NBA in points allowed for 100 possessions right now. I mean, that's, that's higher than I think anyone would have predicted. And I think, you know, those young guys coming in and being defensively ready has a big part to do with that. Looking ahead at their schedule going forward, Christian, you know, they got the Jazz tomorrow night in on the road in Utah for two they're going to play Tuesday and Thursday and then they go to Phoenix on Saturday you know mindset on the road trip um you know do you need to win all three games two to one you know what what's kind of the mindset heading into this trip yeah I mean like they're (laughs) they're in first place in the west and it's uh it's December so yeah look I I don't I don't think they need to win all of them I mean Utah started out really well. Um, they've fallen off a little bit. I still think they're a pretty good team. You know, yeah, I think they definitely want to avenge that OT loss in their home opener. 
and you know next weekend in Phoenix, I mean, that is that is going to be a very, very tough one to get. I imagine Devin Booker will be healed up by then, and you just know the Suns will be motivated. So, I mean, ideally, you know, just bare minimum, get, get one of the two in Utah. Christian Clark of NOLA.com joining us, talking about the New Orleans Pelicans. Christian, appreciate you as always, man, and uh, hopefully they can continue the success, and uh, we'll have you on again soon. Of course, man. Thanks for having me on. And there he goes, Christian Clark of NOLA.com. Your Alexa or Google Home speaker helps out around the house. It allows you to control your lights, your thermostats, and much more. But did you know that can also play the game? Just ask Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. Do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, and everywhere you go. Take the final time out of our Monday show. Bring it back to wrap it up next here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Couple more minutes left here on Crunch Time. Earlier we talked about the Chris Beard scenario, the men's basketball coach at Texas who was arrested this morning on a felony domestic violence charge. Uh, Texas has announced that they have suspended head men's basketball coach Chris Beard, and they are withholding his pay until further notice. Following his arrest in that third-degree felony assault charge, Rodney Terry has been named the interim head coach. Could you imagine being named interim head coach? Like, coach, good morning. So you're going to be the head coach now, and your first game is tonight. Good luck. Yikes. Um, that's just, I mean, obviously, you know, he's in the program and he, and he knows the players and, and whatnot, but different. Taking them to win by 20. It's different. I mean, they're playing Rice, so chances are, probably. And and we act like... Now, Rice just, is no slouch, but, you know. You we know. act like the the head coach is the only one that game plans. That's fair. That's fair. Like he, it, it's he, different he was, though. He was a part of the situ- He was a part of the game plan for well, of course for for what how they're going to attack their next opponent. Of course, it's different though. It is. It's different. It's different. But I wouldn't say he's totally um, lost in the dark. I mean, no. he's a basketball coach for a reason, and I feel like you you were part of the game plan, so you should still be able to execute that game plan to a certain extent. Breaking news in the NBA: Detroit Pistons guard Kate Cunningham. The number yeah. one overall pick in the 2021 NBA draft plans to have season-ending surgery on his left shin. Cunningham is expected to make a full recovery and will rejoin the team for training camp in 2023-2024. Yikes. That is uh, not good news for, for the second-year player who had a pretty good rookie season last year. Um, also, the Astros getting active in the trade market, looking at a outfielder from the Arizona Cardinals by the name of Dalton Varsho. Uh, he is a third-year player. He hit 27 home runs last season for the Diamondbacks in 531 at-bats. 
Uh, he had 74 RBIs as well. He was drafted in the second round of the 2017 MLB draft out of the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Uh, and He is 26 years of age. He is an outfielder and a catcher, so he can solve two issues at, at once for the Astros. Uh, but the negotiations are ongoing, and apparently the price tag from the Diamondbacks is steep. So we'll see what happens there. I want to thank Jeff Duncan, Wilson Alexander, and Christian Clark for joining us today. James Mesh, appreciate everything you do. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and we will talk to you tomorrow, same time, same station, right here on The Game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home. For the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros, don't forget Monday Night Football at 7 o'clock.